This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Thanks again to Upgrade Fitness for their support, helping us bring you this weekly roundup of Ireland sport. And we've got a packed pod for you today. Coming up, we'll reflect on a super Saturday for our basketball players. Reaction to a Guernsey greenwash as interinsular action returned for the first time in four years. And it's like after you say after four years, you kind of don't, I didn't realise in the last couple of weeks how much you've missed it and how you think, God, yeah, I remember this. We'll also talk triathlon with two of Guernsey's Island Games squad ahead of this weekend's season opener proper at Grand Rock. I think we're all super competitive, so even the small events back home, you go into it thinking you're probably going to hold back a bit and use it as a, as a, uh, a tester, but when you get in there, you tend to go all in anyway. <laughs> A chat with Chris Norman and Megan Chappell on the way. We'll also talk athletics, Hampshire championships. We'll take stock of the big issues facing the Guernsey Sports Commission with the Specsavers Youth Games returning this weekend and plenty more besides. I'm Tony Kerr and with me uh, as ever is Gareth the Prevost. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingrill. Hi, Tony. Fresh from Hampshire, Jamie. <laughs> yes. Um, we'll talk athletics in a bit, but I think we've got to start with basketball. Um, if you listen to our football podcast um, on Monday... Um, it was uh, a fairly sort of downbeat affair, it's fair to say, after a, um, uh, well, certainly a dispiriting men's um, Marathi vase on Saturday afternoon. More promise um, for the women. If you want to um, relive all that, um, you can um, in our football podcast this week and with full highlights as well on our YouTube channel. But Gareth, it was a much, much better day for Guernsey up at Beausajour, um where the basketball entrances um, uh, came back um, with a vengeance. And um, yeah, Guernsey picking up where they left off. Yeah, it was uh, just very dominant, Tony, to be honest. It was uh, a total greenwasher, four matches, four wins. And um, certainly when it came to the senior matches, it was almost sort of never in doubt after the first few minutes. They were really impressive performances by both the, the men and the women. And uh, yeah, they were very convincing winners in, in both those matches, having also won the under-17s and under-21s earlier in the day. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, as you say, the juniors um, doing their bit uh, early on. Um, in terms of the senior stuff, it was the women first, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, as you say, it's a dominant performance, um, a big scoreline. Um, here's what their coach, Pat Ogier, um, told you after the game. Well, congratulations, Matt. Um, what was the assessment of the performance overall? I think overall, we were really good today. Um, you know, I don't think that's the strongest Jersey team we've seen, um, but the work ethic, um, you know, the, the concentration, you know, when you, when you do have so many opportunities, you know, you, you sometimes lose focus a little bit, but I thought they were really focused throughout. Um, bit of a mad panic for some reason at the end there, last, last 90 seconds, they wanted to get to 100. Um, you know, I, I, it's a bit, bit concerning, you know, if, we're, if we went up by 67 um, at, at that point, then, you know, it was a one-point game. I, I question their uh, their composure, but um, no. All in all, I think it was a really strong performance, and um, they wanted to go out and, and you know make a make a statement and um, take some confidence into the Island Games. Yeah, sure. And one thing that I sort of noticed from the sidelines is the fact that how how much strength and depth you've got. I mean, you, you sort of make changes and you never actually weaken the side. No, and I think that's the most important thing is that we do have a. It's probably the the deepest we've got. I mean, we've had probably more. Um, accomplished players in the squad before but I think depth wise you know 1 through 12 everybody's got a role everybody knows what they're doing and like you said they, there's, there's no lack of continuity when they come off the bench um, and we just continue to do the same thing uh, and, and, and it's just about execution really and you know um, if we can just 
continue to do that and, and work hard, and that's the most important thing. Defensively, we need to stop teams, um, keep them under a, a certain limit, and we're going to play a certain way, which is for Aston Furious a little bit at times, um, you know, and try and get more shots in the game, so shorter offences, that's the way we're going to play. Um, you know, if we can do that on a consistent basis, I think we'll, we'll have a really good island games. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, now that you've got that to look forward to as well, I mean, this uh, sometimes ends the season, but this almost feels like the beginning of the season, yeah, if you know what I mean. Absolutely right. Uh, Is there stuff you're going to be working on? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we can take things out of this as well, even though, you know, it was a convincing performance, there's always room to improve. Um, I think we probably learned a bit more in the three games we played while we were in London. Um, just about about how we can cope under pressure, how we play against more physical teams, faster teams, um, and just work out some of the kinks there. But you know, we've got some. We, we can focus now on, on what's ahead. Um, we were always you know, trying to trying not to look past the interinsular, um, you know, because it, it's always going to happen. Um, but now that it's done, we can really focus on what we need to do going forward. And the fact that you you've experienced this crowd here today, and you're going to have the home crowd behind you at Island Games, that must give you even a bit more confidence. Yeah, I mean, you know, the interest is always loud. It's always it's always a great spectacle, and I think um, if they if we can get more even more people in here, you know, and and just it becomes infectious. Then um, you know, feeding off our successes. So we you know we have to play well in order to keep the the crowd uh, into it for the whole time. But if if it's a close game and we've got those guys behind us, and I think um, you know then we can achieve some great things. So we're really looking forward to it. Padosha there and uh, yeah, Gareth uh, with the Island Games just a few weeks away. Some really promising signs. Yeah, especially um, like Pat said in the interview, um, just the depth they've got in their squad is, is hugely impressive. I mean, I've seen Guernsey play at Island Games for sort of 20 years now and they've always been very competitive. Obviously, we won gold back uh, here and uh, 20 years ago. Uh, and we're always sort of medal contenders, and but sort of sort of racking my brains as to actually have we ever had a, a twelve as good as we've got now? I mean, we've had some exceptional players in the past. I don't think anyone quite measures up to a couple of those who we've seen play for Guernsey. Um, but in terms of just the, the strength of this squad, um, like Pat says, they they make changes throughout the game, and yet it doesn't weaken the side at all. And in fact, sort of when the starting five was named, I. So there's a couple I'm thinking, oh, I'm a bit surprised they're not starting. But, I mean, just the way it works, they're all heavily involved and they all contribute uh, enormously. Um, I mean, they've won 21 entrances on the trot, I believe. Um, so that's uh, it, it wasn't a surprise um, in terms of the, the, um, the outcome on Saturday. But um, the performance was something they should take a lot of confidence from sort of going to... Um, I don't like calling it a bigger event. The entrance is always sort of it's great to win, but um, I think the Ireland Games is something that they perhaps target more than the entrance though when it came to this year. Yeah, as you say, that um, run is fairly remarkable, isn't it? Um, it must be uh, among the most um, dominant sequences in Ireland sport at the moment. Um, so yeah, fantastic to see them continue it. Um, what about the men? Um, did they uh, match the women in terms of performance and showing? Uh, yeah, it was um, it was also as sort of dominant as perhaps the the eighty points to forty one scoreline suggests, um, and also the fact that um, the whole twelve men sort of played a big part. There wasn't any sort of standout stars. Uh, Matt Sawbridge was the MVP on the day, and he, he thoroughly deserved that. Um, the one thing I was thinking, sort of after when he was named MVP, it was it was someone you'd almost back for getting it because of his domestic league performances. He's been outstanding uh, for Skipton throughout the the, the campaign, 
and um, he just carried that form into the intrinsula. And to be honest, it, it got to the stage during the match that um, you enjoy Guernsey beating Jersey, but um, I almost longed for the, the league games, which have all been really tight throughout the season. I mean, this one was um, pretty much settled after after the first 10 minutes. So um, it was nice in that regard, and it was great to see sort of, there's probably three or 400 people there, you know, and it's a great atmosphere that they create at Beausajour. Um, but uh, you can't really beat a, a close basketball game and this one wasn't really close. Well, I'm sure there's going to be a few of those <laughs> come the Island Games. Um, a bit of a taster of the atmosphere there. Um, yeah, let's hear um, a bit of reaction from the men's side of things. Um, coach and captain Adam Farish, uh, first Aaron Walden. I think it was, yeah, a really good team performance. Um, the coach rotated the bench and we've just got such a strong, strong squad and uh, the depth really showed people coming to the bench and everyone contributing. Um, in terms of sort of like the start, obviously it was first few minutes was quite tight, but to actually be ahead by I think 15 after the first quarter, it must have been a confidence booster there. Yeah, definitely. For us, it's our, it's our first competitive game in four years since um, the Gibraltar Island game. So you're going to have a few nerves to start with for the first few minutes, but everyone um, found, that, found themselves as the game went on and to have a good lead after the first quarter just gave everyone that extra confidence boost. And it was a proper team effort, so wasn't it? All, all 12 guys uh, put in a real shift. Yeah, the coach was always, always going to put um, 12 players on the court throughout the first quarter, just get everyone in the game, everyone get a feel of the ball, um, and then find the fives from there. And yeah, everyone played really well, uh, the intensity, and we just didn't give them any second chance opportunities. And um, do you feel like this is almost a start of something good because you've got the Home Island Games coming up as well? Yeah, well, we've been training uh, a lot recently and yeah, this is just a start for us. We've got our sights on uh, performing well at the Island Games. And yeah, this is just a, the first game to, to get us sort of ready for the, for the Island Games. Congratulations, mate. Thanks, mate. Um, assessment of the performance? Oh, really good. I mean, and I probably never really got a third gear. We were saying at half-time we were kind of in that second gear, yeah. cruising. Um, did exactly what we wanted to do, which was rotate everybody in the first quarter, everybody in the second quarter, to so get everybody rolling through. Um, Jake Michelle, their captain at one point, said, you made enough subs and sort of laughing, trying to work out who he was meant to be marking. But that was the aim, get everyone a look, see how everyone's playing. Um, so that went according to plan, if you like. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, there was, whilst it was a good performance, there's still a few bits where we could improve. Still, you know, we missed a couple of open looks, a couple of layups, we lost our shape a couple of times. But, you know, that's, uh, that's fine margins, though, which is a good place to be. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's actually been a while since you played a competitive game. Yeah, as a yeah. I mean, years we're talking yeah, here. Four so, years, though. Yeah. yeah. Do you sort of notice a bit of rustiness there, maybe? <laughs> or perhaps, perhaps a bit of over-eagerness, but occasionally. Yeah, I think so. Just that, just that game pace that you can't do anything about. Eh? You, can't, you can't replicate an interinsula. You, know, you, can't, you can't do that in whatever you do. And however we try to do for the last four years, you can't replicate that. So as much as the guys are trained, um, being in there, it was going to be a little... I don't know if Ross is right, but just, just feeling away in a competitive game again. You know, we've had these guys, some of these guys, they've been prime in their career for four years and they've not been able to play, yeah. you know. So they all wanted it today and it was... Um, but yeah, no, you couldn't have been happy, really. Yeah. And like you say, you've got Ireland games coming up as well. I mean, is there stuff you'll learn from today and sort of train, you know, in, implement in your training ahead of that now? Well, Saul, who played the under-21s, got biffed out for two technicals. We'll probably work on him not talking back to the refs as he'll, he'll be coming in for the Ireland games. Um, I, think, I think we've learned... You know, that, 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 why that section is so high. You know, Callum Lemoyan isn't in that 12. If there's an injury, he'd likely to be in. He had a great game today. Um, just, just the depth, you know, that we can run our bench. You know, we can let the guys trust them to go out there and do their job, which is really important in a, when you're playing a game every day for six days or whatever. So, yeah, I think the fact that we can trust our second, our reserves, our finishers, if you like, to do the job is really big for us. Yeah. And that atmosphere, you, you want that to be replicated in Ireland games, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, eh? And it's like, after you say, after four years, you kind of don't, I didn't realise for the last couple of weeks how much you've missed it. And now you, you think, God, oh, yeah, I remember this now, you know, yeah. it's just, and yeah, the atmosphere, the Green Army was in full song, weren't they? And it's just, uh, it's such a great atmosphere. It was hot, you know, it was intense. And it's only going to be better for the Ireland games. Yeah. 
coach captain of the Guernsey men's uh, squad speaking to you there. Um, yeah, I mean, their, their first kind of proper game as an island side in about four years, isn't it? So, um, yeah, just what they needed ahead of the island games in a few weeks. Um, so, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be following their progress and their preparations very closely. Um, but, yeah, great stuff. Congratulations to them. Um, right, that's it for part one. Coming next, we'll talk athletics and triathlon. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. A quick word um, on our sponsor, Upgrade Fitness is a new state-of-the-art gym and fitness centre purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. If you've been hearing that name on the podcast um, over the last few weeks, well, you can get a look at their new space um, just behind the doghouse on the Rohays at an open day uh, this Saturday, the 20th of May, um, from nine o'clock until one o'clock. Um, that space features the latest in high-tech equipment, unmatched anywhere locally, and will offer professional trainers, free classes, infrared saunas, and of course, plenty of parking there too. Um, you can find out more by heading to upgrade.fitness online, um, including details of a special founders rate available before the official opening, which is on the 1st of June. So not long to go there. And yeah, if you're interested to uh, see a bit more of it, head along to their open day this Saturday. Right, Jamie, let's talk triathlon and athletics because um, you've been uh, away this weekend in Hampshire, mm. in sunny Hampshire. Yeah, um, it was the... absolutely lovely. Well, across both of for two days. Bit chilly yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. um, we got a bit of sunshine, I suppose, uh, at some point. Um, yeah, and it was a really large uh, group of Guernsey athletes over there. How did they get on? Yeah, okay. So on the one hand, obviously, you've got Abby Galpin, one of our top senior athletes in any event, uh, battling injury issues because she's not competed at all this season and going on to get like, double goals in the 100 metres and 200 metres. That's highly impressive. But I think what sort of really captures the spirit of the event is the athletes who haven't got as much exposure to like big championships because with Abby we're speaking someone who's been to the Commonwealth for nationals etc just people who are like using Hampshire as their first step onto that kind of ladder and also really performing yeah okay of those it's really hard to actually name individuals because there are quite a few of them um Isabel Lowe, who's a nice, up and promising, up-and-coming, long sprinter. I've sort of chosen her as the feature of the article to put the spotlight on someone different because she won the 300 metres in the under-17 category very convincingly. But the competition varies so much across the events. And I think um, one another person who really stood out for me was Darcy Hodgson in the 800 metres. She didn't actually manage to get the goals. She's got involved in a battle to the line with another athlete <laughs> and just lost out. But she set a Guernsey under 17 record. And I think like, that level of competition can really spur on athletes to produce their best. But I think, yeah, just generally across the boards, we had athletes from under 13s to seniors getting gold medals for Guernsey, which is always fantastic to see. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, Jamie, yeah, your report will be in Wednesday's paper. Um, so do check that out. Um, triathlon wise, um, yeah, really the sort season opener proper this Saturday isn't it with the uh, the Grand Rock um, Super Sprint in a moment we'll hear from Megan Chappell um, and Chris Norman two of the athletes who will be representing Guernsey um, at the Island Games this summer um, but yeah Jamie just just give us a flavour of what's coming up um, on the triathlon front because it's going to be a busy uh, start to the season before the Games yeah. isn't it <laughs> well I think the way their calendar is designed it is a gradual build up you've got like the duathlons then you've got the shorter triathlons um, obviously the pinnacle of a season is going to be quite early with with the island games in july so we've got a quite short and sharp grand rock super sprint triathlon lovely environment just to like get people into it um 
And yeah, from the opening duathlons, we've had some really good competitions. So hopefully it'll be a sign of things to come, like leading up to the Island Games. And we've got a few more races in the lead up. Yeah, good stuff. Well, Chris Norman will be on the line um, this weekend for that. Megan Chappell, of course, based in the UK now, and um, she's had a, a busy few weeks um, producing a phenomenal um, uh, run at the London Marathon in a debut over the distance. I know she's been in Mallorca as well on the bike, so uh, getting in um, yeah, lots of uh, preparation across the disciplines. But I caught up with them um, to get a bit of a feel for how their preparations are going ahead of the Island Games and ahead of the domestic season start this weekend. The first kind of proper triathlon uh, of the season this weekend um how much are you looking forward to getting out there I, I suppose after quite a long winter of training yeah it's always always exciting to see where you are um like I say you put so many hours in over the winter but you're never really sure until race day so it's quite a short one as well which should be good seeing um yeah checking the race paces there basically yeah fantastic and expecting a good field for that one um I think there is I actually um entered earlier on today and the numbers look good so we're expecting most of the um, Island Games team for the guys side especially to be there. So, yeah, yeah, expecting really good numbers and it should be a good race. And, and Megan, you've been uh, kind of well, all over the place recently, um, been competing in some big events. I mean, will, will you have a, a sort of twinge of uh, FOMO when you see the photos from, from Grand Rock at the weekend? Yeah, always. I think the, the events at home are always such good fun. Um, we're so lucky to have so many events organised as well that you can just participate in um, so easily so yeah always miss them <laughs> and yeah fill us in on, on what you've been up to because you had a, a fantastic outing at the, the London Marathon uh, and then you've been on the bike as well in Mallorca so you've been uh, yeah getting some long miles in yeah it's been a bit busy um I think the, yeah it definitely feels like the season is already under the way although I haven't done my first triathlon yet um so yeah I suppose what's next I've got um a track race this weekend which is uh an unknown for me but hoping to try and get some track practice in in the anticipation to potentially compete in the athletics team in the island games as well but we'll see um and then my first triathlon isn't until the first week of june uh which is the european championships in madrid um which is exciting in terms of those performances, particularly in the marathon, I mean, how much confidence do you take from that in, in terms of the sort of shape you're in? Because that was a phenomenal result. Yeah, I went in blind, to be honest. Um, I think my coach was apprehensive of the amount of run training that he wanted me to do just to avoid injury, really. Um, so I think it was a shock uh, to, to, to get the time that I did. But um I was just so relieved. Um, I think it, it's such an unknown going into an event like that. You hear horror stories of people getting to to kilometer thirty and just giving up. So I I think I didn't yeah I didn't expect to cross the line at any point. I just kept going and and hoping that you know I I didn't cramp or didn't feel sick or etc. So yeah. What was the aftermath like compared to you know doing a long distance triathlon? Um, quite similar, actually. I'd say similar to like a 70.3, very different to an Olympic. I think Olympic, your recovery is manageable, whereas something like a marathon and a 70.3 triathlon, you definitely take a good week or so to start to feel recovered. <laughs> and, and Chris, um, we've known about the Island Games uh, triathlon squad um, for ages now. I'm pretty sure it was the first one to be announced back in September last year. I imagine that's flown by. How um, how are you feeling with the games now? Just a few weeks ago, your, your first games. Um, yeah, it really has. The time's gone so fast. You, we do keep sort of churning the weeks weeks pass by, and you 
Um, yeah, I'm excited. Really excited. Looking forward to it. Um, Easter festival went really well for me a few weeks ago, so hoping that the run's in good shape. My bike feels strong. Um, swim we're still working on, but yeah, hoping for. A, um, I'm also doing um, Madrid for the Europe Europe champs, so that's a good tester as well for the Olympic distance. I'm um, leading into the games, but yeah, excited. Yeah. Really excited. How easy has it been to keep the focus over over the winter? Um, I'd say it's pretty easy. We're, we're lucky at home that we've got training. Training's good over here. Facilities are pretty good as well. And we work as a team and with us all being together, I think we motivate each other to keep pushing on. So we train with the guys sort of day in, day out that we're racing with as, as a team for the Island Games. Um, and we've just come back from a training camp as well, again, with the same sort of squad. So... I think it's it's actually been fairly easy to keep motivated over the winter period and, and to keep pushing forward. Yeah, I saw the photo of you guys in the in the new race suits, all fit yeah. nicely and uh, ready to go. Yeah, they were perfect. They were really nice suits, and we did a mini triathlon over there as well to to prep and just make sure that everything feels good and and they feel great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounded like an amazing place to train because the, the facilities there apparently are, are fantastic. Uh, yeah, next level, next level. I've never trained anywhere quite like it. Um, just every part of the facility from even stretch class in the morning meditation, like they just did everything there. They really did. And it's um, perfect weather, have only a bit of wind. Um, but now they're great. Um, put just big hours, basically a big block of training in. Again, just prep. Megan, obviously there's a bit of a split in the team. Uh, Chris talked about the uh, uh, you know, the on-island um, sort of squad mentality. How are you keeping in touch from from over in London? Yeah, I think um, ever since I moved to London three years ago, it's just a case of finding your network, finding the people that you train with. Um, and there is actually a massive triathlon scene in London. I was a bit nervous coming from, um, as Chris said, such a good um, sort of clique of people in, in Guernsey in the triathlon scene that, you know, that would fall away. But actually, um, it, it's huge. And there is so many people that love the sport in London. So that's been really nice to sort of make friends and meet a whole new um range of people that have such love for the sport and are you kind of keeping track of what's going on here are you sort of uh is that sort of yeah complete team mentality going into it yeah i think the island games is such a, a special event um for it also to be in guernsey it feels even more special um so i'm super excited for it um yeah coming back for about a week and a half so that'd be really nice to spend some time at home and also watch all the other sports as well while I'm back so yeah yeah and you had a great showing obviously in that that last styling games which feels like a lifetime ago um and you've come on so much in the sport since then I mean for for Chris and the, the other debutants uh, in the Guernsey lineup what, what's your advice about about what the island games triathlon is is all about yeah I think it was my first sort of big event um back in was it 2019 we had the games um which like you say feels like so long ago um yeah, I suppose the nerves are always going to be high, um, but I think it's going to. We're, we're at such an advantage it being in Guernsey. Um, so you know, we we know the roads and that that bike course is pretty pretty tough. So I think um, everyone sort of knows what's in store. Um, you know, in, in in terms of what's the course going to be like. So yeah, it's just a case of calming the nerves and enjoying it. And Chris, how much are you looking forward to racing on some clear roads, hopefully, with them all shut on the <laughs> West Coast? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, as Megan mentioned there as well, being a home game, I think that's massive for us. Um, hoping for lots of support down there. And, and to watch all the other games as well, watch everyone else competing. Um, it will be nice racing on close roads as well. 
which are very different to normal Labour. No, I'm really looking forward to it. The home games is, is definitely the biggest um, for me personally. That's what I want to try and try and peek at. And um, got some big events overseas as well, but I think that's really the main focus. And uh, I think we're all super competitive. So even the small events back home, you go into it thinking you're probably going to hold back a bit and use it as a as a, uh, a tester. But when you get in there, you tend to go all in anyway. So <laughs> it's nice to know what the body can do. Good luck with the the final preparations. Good luck Saturday, Chris. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys in a few weeks' time. Thank you, Tony. Thanks, Chris. Thanks so much. Chris Norman and Megan Chappell uh, speaking to me there. Um, lots more to come on triathlon um, ahead of the Island Games too. Um, now it's going to be a big weekend. Um, well, across the island, 700 children involved in the Specsavers Youth Games um, this weekend, taking part in 23 different sporting competitions. Um, it is the 10th uh, edition of the event. Having been to the closing ceremony before um, is uh, quite a spectacle, um, a, a fantastic uh, event that happens every two years. And um, and I know there's a few athletes involved at the top level. Jamie, you mentioned Abby Galpin earlier, someone who we've uh, heard from before, who, who got her start really in athletics at the Specsavers Youth Games. It's an event that's organised, uh, orchestrated by the Guernsey Sports Commission. Um, and you might have seen on the front pages of, uh, of the paper over the last couple of weeks, um, a few stories about the Sports Commission. Um, Matt Fallais uh, joins us in the studio now from the news desk, hot from the news desk, um, to give us a bit of background on this. Because, um, yeah, there's, there's fair to say a, a degree of uncertainty around the Sports Commission at the moment. Yeah, th- there is a lot of uncertainty about their funding. So they have a meeting with the Committee for Education, Sport and Culture this week. Um, at which uh, they will discuss a, a part of their funding, which is has been over the last three years worth about seven hundred and fifty thousand, uh, but the three-year deal they have runs out effectively this summer, and at the moment they don't have any certainty about whether that funding stream will continue, and they're concerned because education, sport, and culture are under pressure from uh, the Policy and Resources Committee to cut their budget potentially by millions of pounds a year uh, and the sports commission is concerned that, that their funding source may um, dry up at very short notice uh, and they they have even spoken the sports commission about the, the possibility of, of it meaning significant contraction in the commission itself uh, and you know a commission doing a very different type of work than we have become used to. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've heard as well from some sports groups uh, in the last week or two since um, since that kind of front page story. I mean, the breadth of stuff that the Sports Commission does um, is quite remarkable. I mean, you obviously know um, the sort of the lay of the land when it comes to schools and, and, and PE and stuff. I mean, how much would be lost if in terms of just you know things that people take for granted in, in sports PE curriculum if the Sports Commission was um, was significantly cut back? Well, some of the, the work they're doing is has other funding sources. Um, PE in primary schools does, and some of the funding they, they use for sports development offices does. So th- those aspects may not be affected so much, but there, there's secondary sport, uh, or sport in secondary schools certainly is funded out of this portion of funding that there is uncertainty over. A lot of the secondary school teachers are very concerned about that, we know that some of them have spoken to us off the record, uh, although contractually they find it difficult to speak out publicly. But they are very reliant on the support of the Sports Commission funding to deliver um, the the normal programme of sport in secondary schools. That is certainly at risk 
if this funding source is not renewed. Um, and there are various other uh, development activities which the, the Sports Commission is funding or running in partnership with sports, uh, which uh, could well be placed in jeopardy, which is why they have been seeking certainty over this funding for some time. Um, we uh, got hold of the story and the Sports Commission was was prepared to speak about it because th this has been going on for some time. As I say, they have this, this crunch meeting with uh, education, sport and culture uh, and um, they will they will find out. I think the, the the risk to them, or the biggest fear they have, is that ESC will say, "Oh, we're very supportive of your activities, but we just don't have the financial flexibility to fund it." Um, but if Policy and Resources gives us the money, you know, we will be supportive. And and then Policy and Resources say, "Well, look, we're not telling ESC how to spend their budget, but they are going to have to make cuts of millions of pounds a year." And the Sports Commission funding potentially is caught up in that um, the, the kind of negotiations between the two committees. That, I think, is what concerns the Sports Commission the most. Um, and Gareth, given what you know about what the Sports Commission does and, it, and its role in island life, are you surprised that it's kind of, you know, on the chopping block? Um, well, how do I put this delicately? <laughs> no, not at all. The surprise is on the chopping block because that's often the way politics seems to go more than anything. I find sport always gets the sort of the, the rough end of the deal when it comes to those things, but I am very biased when it comes to that. Um, now, it's something that I know the Sports Commission do such great work. I mean, they always seem to be sort of fighting their corner. You know, it's, it's not something that um, comes easily to them is the funding bit of it because um, they're always sort of trying to progress more and more and yet they're sort of up against a brick wall a lot of the time. Um, so I wasn't surprised when sort of the story came out. Um, you just keep your fingers crossed that um, the Sports Commission and just sport in general gets the backing it sort of it deserves really because I mean people have just got to realise how important sport is and how how it can help people sort of health wise and just in their lives. You know, sport is just a great thing and it sort of winds me up a bit when whenever I know cutbacks need to be made in sort of a lot of different areas and whatever, but it always seems to be sport that's the first thing you say, oh, well, that, that can easily be got away and so we'll move on to something else. But I mean, I don't see why that should always be the case, to be honest. Well, one of the things that is often not appreciated as well is, is that the state's funding of sport um, over the last 20 years has unlocked a lot of private funding as well. So the Sports Commission has raised about 20, uh, no, about three million pounds over, over 20 years, just a bit short of 20 years. And that would never have been possible if, if some of the initial funding hadn't been provided by the states. Um, there was um, an initiative a few years ago where the states took on funding um, P in primary schools through the Sports Commission and the Sports Commission effectively agreed, if they got that source of funding, that they would double the total funding commitment to sport by raising the money privately. They did that, but that, again, was possible only because the states put the money in initially. So I mean, the whole kind of commissioning model relies on um, the states getting, or the island getting more bang for the state's buck, doesn't it? So the states put the initial money in, the commission then uses that as a platform to raise money privately. And the Sports Commission has done that brilliantly over the last 20 years. Um, and all of that potentially is at risk if this um, source of funding is cut off. What's your sense in terms of the, the um, state's assembly 
as a whole, uh, this state's assembly about the support for sport in there? I mean, how does it compare to to previous? <laughs> um, well, I think Gareth is right. I think that sport traditionally has has been uh, a Cinderella um, activity. Uh, I mean, you only need to compare funding of sport in Guernsey to the other crown dependencies, let alone other parts of the world, in places which are of a similar size to us, in many cases are funding sport a lot more generously than we are. Um, so, you know, I mean, one would hope that that will be, would be taken into account by the states. Um, now, if the funding source is not guaranteed by ESC, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the whole thing ends up in the states, because the Sports Commission does have quite a number of supportive deputies. Uh, what happens at that point, I don't know. But well, so it could go to a state's vote. I wouldn't be that surprised if it did at some point this year. But there is a timing issue because secondary schools certainly need to make plans for sport in September. I mean, they need to start making plans now, or before now, ideally, for September. Um, and yet the Sports Commission is not able, through no fault of its own, to give them any certainty. Uh, about this source of funding. So the whole thing is is very much up in the air. The Sports Commission will make the best case it can to ESC. My sense is that if ESC were going to just give them a, you know, 100% cast iron guarantee this funding source would remain in place, they they might very well have done it by now. So I think this story could run for a little while and 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 potentially the uncertainty could be maintained. Well, we'll follow it very closely. Thanks for uh, popping in and Thank explaining you. it all. We won't ask you for your opinions on the Ratty <laughs> while you're here, unless you've got any big ones. <laughs> uh, no, no, because I wasn't there. <laughs> and you couldn't uh, listen on the radio either. And I couldn't listen on the radio, which was disappointing. I kept turning on. Three or four times in the first half, I turned on. I need to be told what was happening with Jersey rugby and Ealing. Uh, so that was quite disappointing. But um, I, I, I believe there was quite a, a, a reasonable turnout the Marathi because I'm interested in the way that Marathi crowds have changed over the years you know a Marathi crowd of three or four thousand at one time was regarded as quite small uh, but it, now I think it's been sub two thousand uh, Marathi crowds haven't there yeah I, I, I thought it was quite a good turnout I don't know it, it felt you know it felt like the crowd kind of enclosed the field and um, uh, were a few deep um, you know around around much of it so yeah I don't the atmosphere know. is not as good there though is it there I is I mean the facilities are great the the you know the the surface and the dressing room uh, and the the you know the it's the the facilities also for kind of entertaining catering it's great venue but you don't get the same atmosphere as you do at a more enclosed football ground and the track is not that enclosed but even the same number of people at the track without the athletics track uh, provides a better atmosphere if you squeeze them all into the Corbett field like we did during the Island Games last time we hosted it then the atmosphere is Superb. A few people have been in touch on Twitter to say similar. So, um, yeah, we'll see see where it goes in future if that Victoria Avenue Stadium uh, comes to fruition at some point. I suppose we'll be back at least in sight of the track. So, yeah, there we go. Oh, well, Matt, thanks so much for popping in. Um, yeah, we'll let you get back to the real work. Our reporter, Matt Fallais, there. So, um, yeah, a bit to run on that Sports Commission story. Um, on a more positive front, then, the uh, Youth Games, as we say, um, returns um, this weekend uh, throughout Saturday morning and lunchtime. As many as 700 children will be uh, taking part um, across those 23 sports um, and then uh, gathering together for the closing ceremony at Foots Lane. So, uh, yeah, fantastic opportunity um, for all those youngsters and for the sports themselves. Um, and, yeah, good luck to, to all those taking part. Uh, we'll have more coverage. Uh, in the Guernsey Press later this week and next week. Um, 
what else is going on this weekend then, uh, Gareth? Uh, I know you've spent a fair bit of time already on the golf course um, these last couple of weeks and uh, the Ireland Championships um, coming into focus with the draws made as well. Yeah, the Ireland Championships starts actually on Sunday. The prelims, um, there's only one prelim tie this year because of the, the entries, but it's, it's actually a very strong entry list without it being sort of huge in number. The actual, the quality is, is quite remarkable when you look at the handicaps now of, of all our players. And there's been a couple of cracking first round ties drawn out. I must admit, the, the one that sort of got everyone's eye was is Danny Blondel, four time champion, up against one of his best mates, Tom Lahure, who was champion only a couple of years ago, and he beat Danny in that final. It's a it's a remarkable sort of first round tie to see those two. Uh, big guns clashing and there's also um, Lancrest and Guernsey teammates Danny Bisson and Steve Meyer going head to head as well in the first round so um, there's going to be a couple of cracking contests and at least two big names will be falling in the first round for sure already um, so yeah that will be going on sort of the whole of next week every evening Monday to Friday and then the 36 hole final will be uh, following Sunday which will be the which will be the 28th. Yeah, plenty of coverage to come, I'm sure, on that one. Um, we're also into the top 25, aren't we, in Rob Battis, uh, Guernsey Golf's top 100 countdown and things getting interesting at the top, Gareth? Um, it's certainly every time I'm sort of down the, the golf clubs these days, people are asking me, oh, who was in today? Who was in today? Because there's quite a few of the um, the current uh, band of elite golfers have been featured in recent days and um, everyone's quite anxious to see if they'll finish ahead of their mates or their relatives. So, um, yeah, it's certainly getting um, it's certainly getting tongues wagging down at Lancrest, that's for sure. Yeah, good to hear. Jamie, what have you got your eye on this week? Um, well, continuing the momentum from last weekend, we've got the... We've got the third fixture of a track and field series. Um, it's now getting down to real crunch time for the Island Games contenders. We've kind of got a short list of competitors who have put down qualifying times for the Island Games. And now in the stage, we're just like potentially taking a few names out of the equation until we get a final squad. So yeah, certain people will be looking to perform and establish their name in the squad. Well, fingers crossed for good conditions um, for them uh, down at Fitzsane on Sunday. Uh, quick word on Alex Scott, Gareth, because uh, yeah, he jets off to Argentina, doesn't he, with England's under-20s, um, head of the under-20 World Cup, which is going to be huge, isn't it, of course, for him. Um, they face Tunisia on Monday night, uh, Monday the 22nd, in their opening group stage game, before taking on Uruguay uh, on the 25th of May and Iraq in their final group game on the 28th. 8th of May. I've had a look. It's supposed to be on Eurosport, but I can't actually see it in the schedule. Um, so we'll keep an eye out for that. I'm sure that somewhere we'll be live streaming it. It'll be um, uh, one of the services for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's incredible to think, isn't it? A young guy who's playing for Guernsey FC, what, three or four years ago is now off to Uruguay, playing an under-20 World Cup and face, uh, sorry, off to Argentina and playing an under-20 World Cup and facing sides like Uruguay and Tunisia and Iraq. It's just, it's quite surreal, I find. Whenever I'm sort of like looking up what Alex is up to next, it's just incredible, really, uh, just how far he's come. I was looking back at the team that won the tournament for England in 2017, stacked with Everton players then um, some of whom have gone on to big things some of whom are um, still like Everton <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah Dominic Calvert-Lewin uh, was in that squad um, and uh, obviously has uh, yeah, racked up uh, quite a few Premier League appearances and goals since then yeah well fingers crossed he's actually staying fit for the rest of the season so Evertonians are relying on him to keep us up actually this season <laughs> <laughs> well yeah we're going to be following Alex Scott's progress um, down in South America throughout the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, good luck to him. Um, right, I think that's just about it then uh, for today. We'll be back next Wednesday with another Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Thanks again to Upgrade Fitness for their support of the show. Uh, cheers, guys. We'll see you next time. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony.